Push it out, shove it out, inhale, huh. Push it out, shove it out, inhale, huh. If you feel like coaching someone on CPAP is a chore, well today on Brush Up on EMS, I'm going to make your cheerleading more effective with the use of end tidal CO2. Welcome back to Brush Up on EMS. I'm Bob, your colorful host. And if you're new to the podcast, greetings and hallucinations. And if you're one of the old timers that's joined us, thanks. Now, let's challenge some common thought on CPAP and end tidal CO2. So in a recent article on GEMS talked about using capnography to titrate CPAP, which actually went back to emsairway.com, which was an article produced by Mike McEvoy. And Mike talked about using end-tidal CO2 to titrate CPAP. And when we're talking about CPAP, it's that continuous positive airway pressure that we've got to watch our patients and some of our patients like and dislike the use of CPAP. But it's always a good shot to try CPAP in our respiratory failure or acute respiratory distress patients that need that positive airway pressure if they can maintain that respiratory rate. But one of the things that EMS providers forget to do is look at seeing if they can maintain the respiratory rate. Yes, we're trying to increase their oxygenation, and yes, we're trying to push fluid out, but the problem is, if they can't maintain that respiratory rate, we shouldn't be slapping CPAP on them in the first place. We've got a whole nother object that we can use for positive pressure ventilation that can be continuous, and that's called a bag valve mask. But when we look at CPAP and the use of end-tidal CO2, a lot of people say, well, hook your inline end-tidal CO2 right up into your CPAP mask, run it, that will tell because we don't want to lose the seal. Don't lose the seal. Well, Mike talks about in his article that we don't have to worry about losing the seal because the mask is not going to leak that much with the side stream capnography coming outside of the mask. And so we can use end-tidal CO2 with our patients that are having their respiratory problems. So if you put end-tidal CO2 on someone with CPAP, you're going to have minimal leakage as long as you're using your side stream capnography. Now, if you're using the inline, you're going to blow out the sensor with that continuous pressure that's coming through, and it's not going to read the proper end tidal CO2 that you were hoping to have it read. It's going to wash it out. So, one, we should always give a shot to CPAP, um, but if it's not working for our patients, we need to move directly to using a BVM. And this is what Mike is talking about in his article. But if we use end-tidal CO2 and we're coaching our patients, we can determine if a patient is in respiratory failure, if they don't have a history of COPD, with a rough estimate, if their end-tidal CO2 is greater than 70, that gives us a good indication the person is in respiratory failure and we're going down the tubes and we probably need to get ready to get that bag valve mask out because they're getting tired and they're going to quit breathing on us very quickly. We may need to intubate them and keep that airway open and patent. Second thing is, if they have acute pulmonary edema, end-tidal CO2 will decrease rapidly their end-tidal CO2 with CPAP over three to five minutes. So we've got to wait a little bit of time when we give them 
a CPAP treatment, it's not going to be an instantaneous thing, so we need to be able to coach them. Don't strap it to their face right away and make them Darth Vader. Because they're going to freak out. You've got to help them use the mask. Help me help you with the CPAP. Now, initial CPAP, a lot of protocols, as Mike talks about, run between 8 to 10 centimeters of water pressure. Now, when we are increasing these centimeters of water pressure to see this, if it's helping the patient, we should do this by 2 to 3 centimeters of water pressure, not by 5s, not by 10s, by 2 to 3 every 2 to 3 minutes. So, 2 to 3 centimeters of water pressure every 2 to 3 minutes. And this should be done until we reach a ceiling level of about 20 centimeters of water pressure as Mike talks about. So how do we know if we're titrating our CPAP correctly for this patient? Because everybody's different. Everybody's got different tidal volumes. Everybody's got a different VQ mismatch. And we've got all these respiratory jargon and stuff going around that we just don't understand. What should we be doing for this patient and what is going to help them the best? So Mike talks about if the pressure needs to be increased, you increase it if the end tidal CO2 needs to be increased. Therefore, if your end tidal CO2 is at 28, you need to increase your pressure. If you need to decrease your end tidal CO2, you decrease your pressure. It's the same as what we're talking about when we're bagging somebody. If it's too low, you need to go slow. If it's too high, you need to get faster. Does that make sense? Because if, you're, if you've got a high end tidal CO2, that means they're retaining that end tidal, and we need to ventilate faster to blow that CO2 off to retain oxygen. However, if they have not enough CO2 in their system, we need to ventilate slower because what we're doing is we're hyperventilating the patient. So as Mike talks about decreasing the pressure on your end tidal CO2, not decreasing your pressure on your CPAP will help decrease your end tidal CO2 and you can watch that with your patients. Capnography and CPAP are great tools to be using out in the field and they can be used to treat our acutely dyspneic patients, our patients who are having respiratory distress and respiratory failure. But remember that when we are treating these patients, we need to make sure that we are going through some type of algorithm in our head that we don't just slap oxygen on everybody and we don't just give an albuterol treatment to everybody or a duonab treatment to everybody. Folks, albuterol and duonab, what are they for? Therefore, if someone has bronchospasm and they're having wheezing, we don't just give albuterol and duoneb to every single Tom, Dick, and Harry. We don't do those treatments just for everybody because we don't know what to do. Albuterol and duoneb are for our wheezing, our bronchospasm. Now, if you have someone who is having difficulty breathing and they're hypoxic, give them oxygen. But if they're satting at 93%, but they're still having difficulty breathing, oxygen's probably not the problem. It's probably the exchange that's happening, or it's a mechanical problem 
not a chemical problem. So when we look at respiratory, we've got to look at both mechanical and chemical. We've got to combine the two together, and we've got to look at the things that we have available. Yes, pulse ox is going to tell us the saturation of oxygen at the periphery, but end tidal CO2 is going to tell us how they're breathing. Do we have bronchospasm? If we do, we're going to see that shark fin waveform on the capnography. We can use so much of the tools we have to get the window into our patients and view them from a whole different light and treat them better when it comes to respiratory problems. Respiratory problems are probably one of my most favorite and adrenaline type of calls because they can go down the tube so quickly and you've got to know the next step you're going to move to before you reach that next step. Our goal is to keep them from getting to that next step. So when it comes to CPAP, using sidestream and tidal CO2 is a must so that we can titrate it to the patient and give the patient the best chance. But if we have a low threshold and we realize, hey, this is not going to work very well, just like Mike's talking about in his article, Mike Envoy. Um, he, he talks about, you know, give them that chance, but don't be afraid to move straight to that bag valve mask ventilation. So that's all we got for this week on Brush Up on EMS. I hope you guys can take this information, use it out in the field, and as always, be safe out there. Take care. Stay up on all the Brush Up on EMS genre from Facebook to YouTube to the new thing that we've got, podcasts. Podcasts can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and various other web podcast suppliers. You also can like, comment, and subscribe on Facebook, Podcasts, and YouTube. So stay up on all the Brush Up on EMS genre.